T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Hello and welcome back to Kick It Naturally. I'm your host T.C. Hale and I'm here to have all kinds of fun on episode number 370. I got a friend that's going to hang out with us. So Karen Martell from the Other Side of Weight Loss podcast. It's an excellent podcast, especially she really does a lot of things for women's health, uh, really, really digs into hormones. That's really why I wanted her to come on was to talk a lot about hormones and kind of open up my uh, brain a little bit to learn more about the, the hormonal side of things. And uh, so we're going to have her on and we're going to dig right into that. But you really got to check out her uh, website. She's got this great quiz that you can take that kind of gives you some insights into what may be going on with your hormones. So I'll, we'll talk about that in the show and I'll put it on the show notes page too. But let's jump in now to my interview with Karen Martell. Karen Martell is here to play with me on the Kick It Naturally show. Karen, how the heck are you? This is great. This is our second play date of the week. I'm excited. This is, this is, all I do is <laughs> hang out with Karen Martell. That's like, that's my job. That's, that's all I do with my life, really. And, and my life is grand. It is. When you play with me, it is. It's great. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. So yeah. those of you who don't know Karen, you have to check out her Beyond Weight Loss uh, podcast. It's it's the other side of weight loss is really what they call it. So just look up the other side of weight loss. It's a fantastic uh, podcast. And she had this brilliant guest on there mm -hmm. recently. Actually, I think my show is probably going to come out before yours. I think my interview probably won't be out till like March or something, but yours is going to be out real soon. So you might have to wait around to see, to hear me on uh, the other side of weight loss, but hear the other stuff because she does a, a great job on there. Karen, how's it going? It's going. It's great. Yeah. It's been a cold week where I am like freezing cold. I've got a mm -hmm. blanket on me right now because I'm Holy so cold. Mackerel. I think <laughs> you might be doing that, it besides that, the sun is shining. So, hey. Yeah, I'm not very good at cold weather. I got to be where the, the people thaw out and or I get I get ornery. Yeah. Um yeah. So tell us about we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today and I'm and I'm really excited about it. Uh but why don't we find out what everybody really always wants to know first and that is how did your hair get so fancy? <laughs> I don't think I could pull off something that fancy. That's all I'm saying. Well, I was aging and mm. I decided, you know what? I got to still look cool. And so uh -huh. I decided you made it happen. To just slowly, it just got shorter and shorter and funkier and funkier. And now it's like, oh, this is perfect. And every time I've tried to grow it out, I've had it for years. And every time I've tried to grow it out, I say to myself, oh my gosh, I now look like a mom. <laughs> no offense to all you moms out there. I'm a mom too. I just, you know, you're a mom, right? It I just looks so bad when I start to grow it out and it has this like feathery look. And I'm like, Nope. I just went from being cool to just being a plain old mom and I just have to cut it. So it keeps me young. Yeah, I dig it. I super dig it. I, I definitely wish I was cool enough to do something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I'm not that guy. I'm just, I'm not that cool. So that's just where <laughs> I land. But let's talk a little bit about what you do. We'll go beyond mm -hmm. hairstyle. Yes, that's my new podcast is beyond your hairstyle. <laughs> um, so tell us uh, the kind of stuff that you do and, and, you know, your podcast, we talk about a lot of the same stuff. We actually agree mm. on things. You don't always find do. people that agree on things. I don't know if you knew that or not. Mm -hmm. You know that some people in the health field like disagree on things. 
Oh, so much. Yeah, they do a little bit. <laughs> it's like religion. Yeah, yeah religion, and politics, Karen, and diet. Right. Uh, me and Karen started playing together because we agree about some stuff. But mm-hmm. tell us what you focus mostly on with your show because you, you you gear a lot towards women's health. Yeah. Tell us some more. Well, I I really focus on women that are that are actually really trying to be healthy. You know, they might be following a good clean diet. They might be keto, paleo. You know, I do get the odd vegan or vegetarian, but women that are actually like, they're trying to take care of themselves. They're working out, they're eating well, they're doing what they're, you know, told to do. And yet they still can't lose the weight. And it's something that I personally struggled with for many years. And it was terrible because here I was a very, very healthy person. I was doing what I was being told. I was trying every diet under the sun. I was working out seven days a week, trying to become the runner, the crossfitter, thinking that's what I had to do to get my body back. And I continued to gain more and more and more weight. And it was so unfair. And nobody believed me that I was actually not going home and shoving down a cake. I was honestly, I didn't have sugar addiction. I wasn't eating fast food. I was a healthy person. And yet my health was deteriorating and my weight was going up, even though I was doing all these things. You know, and I would have been one of those annoying people that didn't believe you. You know, when I was <laughs> I was working as a Tell personal me. trainer. I, I totally would have because I didn't know all the stuff that, that we know now that people right. are different. They process foods differently and, and the same thing. So when I was a trainer, I got in shape. And what I did was I thought I thought that was the way to get in shape. And I thought that that would work for anybody. Yeah. So when I told a client to do that and they didn't show up with their own six pack, you know, then yeah. I'm like, Oh, you're lying to me. You're not yep. really doing the things that I'm telling you to do. And people deal with this so much that they start to feel like they're maybe they're broken and maybe they're just kind of stuck that way. The thing that works for yep. everybody else is not working for me. And you do that is exactly what you feel like. Like I felt like a switch went off. Like somebody went and turned off a switch. I had my my first kid and within 2 years it was like all at once, boom, this light went off. And I got chronic insomnia. I started having digestive problems. I was getting skin rashes. I was gaining weight. I was puffy. I was hormonal. I was having migraines like for two weeks out of the month. All within a few months, this happened. And I'm going, what just happened here? (laughs) You know, And and it took so long to figure it out because there's no information out there for women like me that is like, okay, I'm actually healthy. Like as far as, you know, what I'm doing and eating and working out and my trainers sitting there telling me, you just need to cut your calories. That's what it comes down to. And he just kept driving that into my head. You're eating too much. You need to work out more and you need to eat less. And so I did that. And then I tried, you know, detoxification. I tried, tried the raw vegan diet. I tried vegetarian. I went to the zone. I did the Atkins diet nothing worked until finally on my own, I was like, okay, like you, I became a research junkie. And I decided I got to fix myself because no one else is going to do it for me. And I dove into the research and I realized I had to test my hormones because it was very hormonal, everything that was seeming to be happening. (laughs) So no doctor at that time, I was 33, no doctor, naturopath, nobody's going to say to you at 33, it's your hormones. And because were that you, just doesn't happen. 
were you think. a bit of a nut, were you a bit of a nut job at that point? Were you having like emotional issues and stuff like that, or was that not part of what was? Oh going yeah, on like you? I had my PMS was so severe that my doctor put me on an antidepressant during my PMS time, and wow. you know I had the, the migraines always happened premenstrually. So I knew mm-hmm. that there was, you know, a piece there, my breasts would get really so like fibrocystic breasts. I had endometriosis. I had already two surgeries on ovarian cysts that were big hematoma, like uh, endometriomas in my, oh. that, which are full of blood right. that were growing out, out of control that I had to get removed. Like, so there was definitely like, okay, there's definitely a hormone piece. <laughs> <laughs> At and, least. Yes. And looking back, I have, I do have, you know, a theory of what happened and it does happen to a lot of women when it's post-pregnancy, you know, sure. your kid kind of either steals all the nutrients out of your system and it, and it does flip on some of these genes that maybe say, okay, you're not doing so well hormonally now. I don't know. And then it also, I have a lot of lead. I've years later, I found out I've got really high levels of lead. And when you're pregnant, your bones soften. And lead will then leach out of lead stores and bones. So the lead will come out of the bones. And so I think there was a piece of that in there and I was hypothyroid and I didn't find that out for another 10 years. So I had this like waterfall effect of all these different things that happened, but it wasn't till I looked at the hormones that things got better. And you got one. I didn't know about that when you were pregnant, your bones soften and heavy metals will go out of those. So yes. you, you nailed it. You got one. I know that you wanted to get one. With, oh, I on do. My, on my I show. did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, was... he because he taught me something on my podcast. <laughs> How dare he? Right. <laughs> yes. So I think that that you know I'll never know, but it really took me figuring out what were my hormones doing. I was really you know I was my cortisol was super low. Estrogen was too high, progesterone too low, DHEA was too low. So I had adrenal issues. I was estrogen dominant. And I had to then take the time to fix those and figure out, okay, A, how should I be eating for what's happening in my hormone profile, which ended up being paleo. Paleo was definitely what worked best for me at that time. I'm still on paleo 13 or 12 years later. And I've gone in and out of keto, but keto doesn't work for me very well. So I just, I had to figure that out. Then I had to figure out, okay, why am I so, I didn't think I was stressed. I was doing what every other North American woman was doing. (laughs) I'm working five days a week, working out at this boot camp six days a week. I was a single mother at the time. Like what? This is normal. Right. My body didn't think it was so normal. So I quit all of that, went into like, started doing yoga, started, you know, paying more attention to my body and my, my stress levels. I have figured out my hormone stuff and within if, and emotional stuff, there's a, a lot of emotional things that also came up during that time that I really feel like was part of the recovery. And within, you know, a year or two, all the weight came off and I was able to stabilize. And then I was like, you know what, there's other women going through the same thing. And it's so interesting now that I'm in, you know, going into menopause. Now it's, there's so many women out there that are being told the wrong information and Mm -hmm. they're having hormonal weight loss resistance. And so that is what I do is I'm trying to bring the information to these women to say, Hey, it's not you, it's your hormones. (laughs) Right. And, And, you know, we, uh, we've been doing this for a while and, and, you know, it's like everyone in our world, the people that we talk to know 
that the calories in, you know, burning more than you eat is, we know how ridiculous and ignorant that that is, but it's still amazing to me when you really just step out of your own house, just for a second, you see that, you know, 95% of the population still thinks that that's 100%. the route that goes. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the, their eyes are just starting to open now. So um, when you say that you're not the only woman out there with these issues, well, oh, yeah, there's a, mm -hmm. it's most, it's most yeah. women that are running into this kind of situation. Yes. Yeah. And that's just it is we're not being, we're not given the information. And even when women do hear, hey, calories in, calorie out isn't all that it comes down to. It's like they don't believe you. And they still are so tied to that theory. Yeah. And there is truth to it to a degree, but I could go down at that time. I, I There was times that I'd try and cut my calories down to like six, 600, 700 calories a day. Jeez. And I never would lose a pound. I wouldn't lose a pound. And yeah. I've had many, many countless women who have done the same thing, who are like, you know, I've done thousand calories a day for three months and I, or I fast or I eat one meal a day, which is five, 600 calories. And they've been doing it for three months and they haven't lost a pound. Right. I oh, think there you I go. Get, calories in calories. out. it doesn't work. But I, I think I get more than 600 calories when I wash my hair, like just a shampoo, right. Going into me, I think is that that's not very much. And, and you do, you know, we hear from women a lot of times that have that trainer or, you know, whoever it is that's telling them, well, you just need to eat less. You're just, you're not burning them more. Why don't you why don't you live on your treadmill? You should live on your treadmill. Yeah. Or even like I just saw it this morning on a carnivore forum. And this woman said, I've been carnivore since September and I, I feel better and other things are improving, but I haven't lost any weight. And then you got, I, I think there was 55 comments at the, when she had just posted it. It was immediate. Like all these people got on and I went through it. And of course, I see this every day you're, you know, maybe you need to cut the, cut, cut out more dairy, eat less, go to one meal a day, cut the calories down farther, work out more, you're doing something wrong. And mm -hmm. I'm like this, and I just, I can't even be bothered. Can't, I'm not going to start saying like, actually it's your yeah, hormones right. probably. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about hormones. Cause I, uh, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, you said that there was some uh, mental and emotional issues that you had to work through and kind of stuff, you know, and that's what I find is that a lot of times, you know, when there a person is dealing with a problem, a lot of times there's more than one way to improve that situation. And if you can improve one aspect of it, 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 it may improve enough that, you know, people start thinking, oh, well, this is how you improve that issue when really there's other ways to do it too. A lot of times people need to take more than one approach to fix one problem. So let's talk a little bit about hormones. And when you're working with clients, you know, what are you seeing as are the big problems today? And, and, and what's the, what's the biggest information that you're able to give them? It's like, Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't realize mm -hmm. how much that would help. Mm -hmm. So there, I kind of put women into two categories. If you are in your twenties and thirties, um, first half of your thirties. So let's say up to 35, your hormones are going through this, you know, 28 day, 30 day cycle, and it's very predictable. And we can, we know where it's supposed to be at certain times of the month. And in these women, in these fertile women in their fertile years, if they're having hormonal imbalance, like I was at that time, 
then there's a lot of things that you can do to fix those hormonal imbalances. So let's say a woman's got polycystic ovarian syndrome. Well, things like the ketogenic diet and fasting or lower carb is going to be really helpful and will help to reverse that polycystic ovarian syndrome. If they've got adrenal issues, you know, you can take certain supplements, you can moderate your lifestyle, deal with some of the emotional stuff. If you've got estrogen dominance, there's amazing supplements that will help clear some and break down that estrogen. You know, you can fix your gut. You can take things like D-indole methane. You can take calcium D-glucrate, liver sure. support, liver detox. All of those things is going to help your body to process and and digest, metabolize all of that estrogen and how, and there's, you know, you take Vitex to help bring up the progesterone. And so there's these amazing hacks that you can use to balance out those hormones. And that does require things like lifestyle, diet, digestive system, all of this kind of very holistic look at it. And I see those women, they can make big changes even within three months of doing, you know, a certain protocol for whatever imbalance they have. And they feel a million times better and the weight starts to come off and all of those crazy side effects can go away. Right. And, you know, you do a lot more hormone work than I do. And, you know, with with, uh, high estrogen levels, I've, for me, uh, calcium D-glucrate seems to be the champion, but I think it's because I saw it work so well that that's what I've always gone to. Is there something else that you like more or equally to that for that particular issue? I I love the calcium D-glucrate as well. And in research, it does show very quickly it bringing down estrogen Mm -hmm. and it helps to break it down in the gut. And then there's D-indole methane, which is from, you know, uh, our cruciferous vegetables. It's a bit different. It's going to bind to those bad estrogens in the system and help remove them. So I like to combine the two together, the calcium D-glucrate and the DIM. Um, and you never want to take more than hundred milligrams of DIM because more is not better. Uh, calcium D-glucrate, you actually, it's very hard to find really good levels. Like you need to be upwards of a thousand milligrams a day for calcium D-glucrate to really be effective. And then taking um, a liver support that helps with both phase one and phase two detoxification for excess estrogen. And here's the thing, Tony. Yes. Big distinction here. When we say estrogen dominance, there's two kinds. There's one that is your estrogen and progesterone are both Uh, where your progesterone is where it should be. It's at a healthy level. And then you have this crazy excess of estrogen that's like at the top of the charts. There's that estrogen dominance and you got to bring that down and and maybe pull up the progesterone a little bit with detoxification. And then there is estrogens in a okay place. It can even be too low, but your progesterone in relation to that estrogen is even lower. It has to be in a race type of a certain ratio. So we right. want to see progesterone a little bit higher. So what often happens is doctors or functional medicine people will say, oh, you're estrogen dominant. You got too much estrogen. You got no progesterone. Let's clear out all this estrogen, which is like the worst thing you can do because we need estrogen. Estrogen is so important as 400 different functions in the body. And we're going to get to more of that, but Basically, we're going to cover all 400 today, people. We are. Yeah. (laughs) Buckle up. The, the, so when it's like that, you don't want to take calcium D-glucrate and dim and bring that estrogen down farther. All you want to do is you want to bring up progesterone because you might actually need to bring up estrogen as well 
because it's too low, but it's a very important distinction because you don't want to start lowering it even farther and then adding your progesterone. No, you need to keep that estrogen in a healthy range and boost up the progesterone. So that's two different kinds of estrogen dominance. I think it's really important. So what kind of tests do you like to see people do to see where they are? So for the cycling woman that is 35 and under, I like to see them do a saliva hormone test. This, this is going to test your, your available hormone levels. So serum tests bound hormone levels, which means it's bound to what's called sex hormone binding globulin. So only a little bit is, of that is going to be available for your body to use. So when you're cycling, it's more accurate to see what's available right now to your body because it can be quite different from when you look at that compared to the serum levels. So Once, you would rather look when the saliva than in the blood and stuff like that. Is that when what you're it, saying? In a fertile woman, yes. Okay. Yeah. In All a right. cycling woman, yes, it tends to be much more accurate. I've seen things go really haywire, like not not often, but I have seen like a woman, for instance, who her testosterone looked low on serum. And then when we did her saliva, it was off the charts high um, because of the available hormones. And she was getting the symptoms of that. She was getting really oily skin. She had acne, big boils were going all over her back because her functional doctor put her on testosterone. So just like, you know, little, little things like that. So you're, you're just going to see that it's a little bit more accurate or can be very more, a lot more accurate when you test via saliva. And saliva is also the best for cortisol because you need to test cortisol four points throughout the day. So once you've, once you've hit 35 and up, depending on what your cycle's doing, what tends to happen now is the hormones start to now get really haywire. Progesterone starts to drop when you're in your late thirties. And then when you're going through your forties at different times for different women, estrogen will begin to drop as well. But progesterone usually takes that dive first. So the more, uh, closer you are to your in your mid 40s then i would i prefer then to see either serum or actually saliva but um, serum can then be accurate because okay. the levels are just low enough that they're going to show up in serum and so it, it does tend to be in relation to it. So, and you want to always do it on a certain day of the month. Doctors usually don't tell you that. So if you're a cycling woman, you want to test them on days 20, on day 21 of your cycle, because if you tested them in the first half of your cycle, you don't even have progesterone. So you can, you gotta be very careful as to when you test them. So if you're going to go the serum route, your doctor not, isn't going to tell you when to do it, do it on day 21 of your cycle, day one being the first day of your period. Okay. And, you know, with different things, we see that there's some things that uh, really need to be improved with food and some things might need supplements at least temporarily to see them fixed. Now, when you're doing working with hormones in this, what's the percentage of, you know, how, how much do you feel of it is, is food that needs to change and how much do you feel like they need help with some type of, you know, whether it's a, um, a supplement or a hormonal therapy of some sort. Mm-hmm. So great question. Um, I really ask great, great oh, you, questions. You're Karen, so, so great you know. at asking right. questions, Tony. Right? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great question. <laughs> Food has to come first, no matter what, where you, you are, what levels your hormones are at. If you oh, don't right. change the food, you're only going to get so far with the supplements and the hormone treatment. So I always say, you know, first comes first. You got to 
find the diet that's going to work for you. So, and that's going to change, right? As your hormones change. So like I said, if you're a PCOS and then maybe you want to be a low carb keto, if you've got um, adrenal issues, thyroid problems, and a low progesterone, well, the keto is not going to be the answer. It's going to be more of a paleo based autoimmune or something like that. So I always lean towards primal based diets because that's, I've seen them work the best. Um, So food has to come first. And then for those, and then after that, if it doesn't fix the hormone problems, because a lot of the time it can, then you go to the supplements and then in the younger women. And then if that doesn't work, then you do the hormone therapy in women over 35, because it just, it becomes an issue of your ovaries simply stop making hormones. And so you can take all the calcium, glucagon, Vitax, all of these natural things to help raise and lower your hormones. But the bottom line is you just simply aren't producing them anymore. So there, it's not that those things can't help. So as your estrogen starts to drop, you can take phytoestrogens. You can take things like black cohosh, maca, soy, um, you know, things like that, that are going to act on the estrogen receptors like estrogen in a weaker form. But for many women, they will not get the relief and they will not get the weight loss until they actually just replace the missing hormones because there's no bringing them back. You can bring them, you can get rid of some of the symptoms by using some of those supplements, but the big benefits of hormone therapy and having those hormones, you just don't get until you replace the hormones to optimal levels. If you want to learn how to look at your own chemistry to get a better idea of how your unique body is operating, sign up for our KIY or Kick It Yourself membership. Not only do you gain access to our four-week digestion course and our 12-week flagship Kick Your Fat course that normally sells for $129, you also get free shipping at naturalreference.com. Restrictions apply, but since the membership is only $9 a month, it can pay for itself. You'll also have access to a reference system like you've never seen before and a members-only private support group where you can get feedback from coaches I've trained and I even show up to do live Q&A videos on a monthly basis. To see more features and sign up, go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash K-I-Y. That's K-I-Y. Okay. And you keep saying the word Vitex. Is that a type of a uh, sport oh. utility vehicle or <laughs> I, I, I'm not familiar with Vitex. Tell me, tell me about that. So Vitex is also known as Chaseberry, and it's a type of herb that helps to raise progesterone levels. Oh, I did not know that. I have, mm-hmm. I've never used that. It's one that. of That's the best ones. It's and you feel like that ones. works well? It does for fertile women. Yeah. Okay. And how would they go about using that? Uh, you know, as far as are, are there rules for that? They just start chucking um, it in? You can take, there, there is some speculation. I don't use this, but to take it in the second half of your cycle, when you're supposed to be producing the progesterone. Okay. But I find if women are really low in progesterone, you want to take it every day for at least three months. And then you can go to that cycling of it mm-hmm. um, and see how that feels. But if it, you don't feel as though you're getting as much benefit, then you can, it's not, it's okay to take it on a daily basis. Now I have a, an interesting question for you. Now it makes sense to me that if, um, you know, with one of those type of estrogen dominances that the, you know, whatever's causing the estrogen to go high, that that could in turn cause the progesterone to go lower. But if someone took something like the Vitex, um, 
to help raise progesterone. And if it, if it worked, would that lower the estrogen at all? It does, or does it not yeah. really work that way? It no, does it does work. work like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they, they're, they have to a yin work. and yang it. Oh, they're so yin and yang. They're so important. Both of them are so important. And unfortunately women are very scared because of, um, you know, myths that are out there about estrogen. They're scared to take the estrogen, but it, you, you need estrogen to build progesterone receptors. So if you've got no estrogen, you're just slapping on a bunch of progesterone or taking a bunch of Vitax. That's not, it's only going to be very short-term effects from that before your body's like, yeah, this isn't working because okay. you need the estrogen to make the receptors for the progesterone. So that's important. And then the progesterone, when the progesterone comes up, yes, it can level out estrogen and it balances it out. And your uterus needs both, your breast tissue needs both. It's what protects your breast. It protects the uterine lining, the progesterone. Okay. That's great. We've already talked about sex and breasts more than I thought we were going to, but I'm open to it. I'm here yep, for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I showed up. Okay. So um, while we're talking about sex and breasts, let's talk a little bit about fertility. And um, I'd like to hear what you see when women are having a lot of trouble uh, getting pregnant. So a lot of that is coming from low progesterone levels, as well as PCOS. So PCOS mm -hmm. is the number one cause of infertility in women right now in North America. Right. So that also is remedied with progesterone. So that can really help because it helps to block the androgen, which is PCOS, you have high levels of testosterone. So progesterone can come in and it can actually help to occupy the androgen receptor site so that the androgens can come down. So you wanna work on your insulin and you wanna work sensitivity because you become insulin resistant when you're PCO with PCOS. So if you can do that with a diet, with a little progesterone cream and the right supplements with, and to help with the insulin resistance, most women then can repair that, that system. So they and, and I see, I see the best thing with helping PCOS is, is really lowering carbs. And I was really yes. interested to hear you say that. Do you have any thoughts on, on why that helps so much and why the lowering the carbs helps the PCOS? Because high testosterone goes hand in hand, like high testosterone causes high uh, insulin resistance. So problems with the blood sugar. So you have, in order to fix that high testosterone, what's driving the high testosterone, you got to fix the insulin resistance. So you got to bring down and create some insulin sensitivity, and then the, that testosterone will follow and will drop back down. So very, I mean, I've seen women do it on paleo. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen very quickly on carnivore because I I find that when Keto, even keto doesn't work for insulin resistance. Some, some people have really, really hardcore insulin resistance that not even a keto diet fixes. You put them on carnivore and it's, it's rapidly fixes their insulin resistance. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. no carbs seem to be, you know, zero carbs is surprisingly more significant than a very small amount of carbs. Yeah. Yeah. It's so strange. It's just some people's body. But like I said, I've had some women that do paleo or just a lower carb and their PC, they can reverse their PCOS. So just kind of, once again, very bio-individual, everybody's right. going to be different. And you have to be so careful because PCOS also goes hand in hand with hypothyroidism. And, but you, so you don't want to do carnivore or keto if you've got hypothyroidism. So it's all of these things kind of work synergistically together. So you have to really pay attention to how does this feel 
in your body, not how does it feel for your sister or your coworker on keto because they're thriving and maybe they've lost 50 pounds, but then you're sitting there suffering and feeling like you're dying because you're on keto. Don't keep doing it. Not <laughs> just, yeah, just don't right? do what the cool kids are doing. That's yeah, not always yeah. what it's about. Because every hormone type, like there's different, you know, very common uh, imbalances that I see and they all take something different, right? And they can, if you do the wrong diet, you could exasperate those problems. Like if you're hypothyroid and you have low adrenal problems, you don't want to go low carb. It makes it so much worse. You need the, the carbohydrates in order to fuel the adrenal system and the thyroid. So you have to be very careful. Right. And we, and we talk a lot about, you know, looking at your, where your breath rate and seeing what's going on with CO2 and when you're lowering carbs too much with those thyroid issues. And I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about thyroid today too, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I want you to talk more about the fertility thing. I, I interrupted because that's the kind of guy I am. Well, so I'm not, I'm not a, I don't specialize in fertility, Tony, but mm. I, I have had clients that definitely have had, have, have, come to me for those reasons. And you, it is very environmental. I find like there's so many xenoestrogens in our system and it is driving down our progesterone and making us estrogen dominant. So clearing out a lot of those toxins out of your system, um, birth control is one of the worst things for a woman's fertility. The longer you're on birth control, the the harder it's going to be to get pregnant. It destroys your testosterone levels. It destroys your gut. Um, your body forgets how to run itself, how, how to produce its own estrogen and progesterone and it's toxic. So there's, there's that there's the toxins, there's low progesterone levels, PCOS. Um, those are what I see make contributing to it more than anything. Yeah. And, and it's a big deal. I, I'd really like to see women who have been struggling with that, uh, have the ability to turn that around. And, uh, it's a big deal. It's a really, it it's a yeah. really big deal. And what's, uh, scary is that a lot of women feel like their only option is to do this $14,000 oh, procedure and then go to a witch doctor. And, uh, you know, at this, you know, all these certain times they got to wear, I got to paint this hair blue to do this. And they're doing all these things just to align everything. And then it just doesn't work. And then when you just allow the body to function like it's supposed to, all of a sudden you you got this little person in your house. And I, I just think yeah. that that's a really fun thing. And you need to change your diet and the doctors don't tell you that, right? They yeah. don't even talk to you about diet or your gut health. And they're just jumped straight to this, like you said, $14,000 IV therapy, when really you probably just needed to take out a lot of the inflammatory foods, you know, support your reproductive system with Maybe you could eat nutrients. something that has any nutrients in it whatsoever. Maybe try that out. Yes. Maybe. Yes, it's something it that should didn't come out of a vending it machine. It should always come first. With every illness and every disease out there, food has to come first. Well, and I think it will, even from the doctors at some point, when they decide to educate them for more than 20 minutes in a four-year degree period about food. So we'll we'll make some calls. We'll make I'm some gonna, calls. I'm we'll... not going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah, <laughs> you should see the new food guidelines that Canada put out two years ago. I... I I choked on it. It was ter- the most awful thing I've ever seen. It's a little bit scary. Oh, skim okay. milk and grains. And, oh, yeah. Okay. So another very hot topic when it comes to hormone is 
oh, I'm a little bit older and why is my face on fire? And mm -hmm. as the women start going into menopause and all those fun time things happen, can you talk to that a little bit and, mm -hmm. and maybe help some people feel a little better? Yeah, I, I like to tell women that you do not need to have any symptoms of menopause. And most women are told just the opposite, which is suck it up, buttercup. This is what you got to go through. Mm -hmm. Eight to 10 years that's how long menopause can be, perimenopause, where you get the hot flashes and the night sweats and, oh, so many more things, foggy brain, low sex drive, brittle bones, dry skin, wrinkles, dry vagina, you name it. I mean, your whole system starts to fall apart when you start going through perimenopause into menopause. And we are being told by 90% of the medical system that you just need to go through this and here's your antidepressant. And then he, cause you're super emotional and anxiety ridden. And then here's your sleeping medication. Cause you can't sleep cause you're getting right. hot sweats and all night long. And because you have no estrogen. Um, and then here's your stuff, this very harsh drug for your bones. Cause you're getting bone loss and osteoporosis. Um, you know, here's your go spend tens of thousands of dollars on your skincare when you just needed some estrogen, the list goes on and on and on. And women do not need to experience any of this. And it just drives me nuts because we're, we're so doctors are like, okay, well, here's your insulin. If you, if you're diabetic, here's your thyroid medication, if you've got hypothyroidism, but yet when women are deficient in these very key hormones that keep us young and youthful and all of these things intact, they don't, they don't prescribe them. They don't say, oh, well, you know what? You need some bioidentical progesterone or estrogen, and that's going to cure your foggy brain and your depression and your anxiety and your sleep problems. But no, we're going to give you all these drugs instead. It just, right. it just is mind blowing. And it all stems from, so before in the 1950s, estrogen, horses, urine, estrogen pills, which is called Premarin, was the number one prescribed medication out of all medication wow. in the United States. Number one, they used to treat breast cancer with it. Go figure. <laughs> wow. And then in 1998, they decided to run the biggest study that had ever been done on hormone replacement therapy in women. And they got like, I think it was 800,000 women or something millions of dollars put into it. And what was interesting is they couldn't find a lot of women that weren't on hormones because they needed to have one leg of the study where women weren't taking anything, right? <laughs> and most of these women, they were all on estrogen because this was the most prescribed medication. And so they had to, they actually ended up getting women that were between the ages of 60 and 70 for that arm of the study, <laughs> because wow. they were had stopped taking it. And uh -huh. these women, most of them were unhealthy. They were smokers, they were overweight. And so that was just one piece, one flaw of this study. So they had a couple arms of the study. One of the arms was Premarin only. So this is horses, pregnant horses, urine, estrogen, which we still have today, Premarin. And then the other arm of the study was Called was with Provera, which was a mix of Premarin and Progestin, which is a synthetic progesterone. Right. Well, within about four years, the rise of uterine cancer and breast cancer and stroke went up in the group of 
the in the Provera group. So the one that was on progestin and the equine estrogen. So they actually stopped the study, pulled, they yanked that, they, they yanked that study, took those women off of that and shouted out to the world, get every woman off of HRT. It's super dangerous. It's going to, it's going to cause breast cancer, it's going to uterine cancer, everybody off. And now suddenly all these women were suffering. Right. Well, the one arm of the study that continued on the Premarin only within a few years showed a 30% reduction of breast cancer. But reduction. They but they don't and mention they, that. They, they just don't mention that. The, they don't mention it. And wow, still to this day, when women hear the word estrogen, they're like covered their breasts like, oh, no, don't put me on estrogen. <laughs> and another thing was these were all oral. So even, even oral horses urine, <laughs> estrogen, which isn't like our own, it's a different makeup, obviously, even taking that, you, in orally, it does increase your risk of heart attack and stroke when you take estrogen orally, because it has to go through the liver. But even that, the benefits outweighed those risks, because women's, their osteoporosis was better, their heart disease, I'm not the heart disease, the... Uh, what did I say before? <laughs> you said the, the breast cancer. And the, the breast cancer reduction. Thank right. you. The breast cancer was redu reduced. All of those things got better. So even on that, even that is better than no estrogen is what they, what they discovered. And so now we've got the option though of bioidentical hormone therapy, which is transdermal on the skin, or you could do it in suppository or trochs or implants, whatever shots. And this bypasses then that first pass of the liver. So there's no increased risk of stroke or heart attack when you take it transdermally. And it, when women take bioidentical hormone therapy for even one year into their menopause, one year, it reduces all cause mortality in women. It wow. reduces breast cancer, heart disease, dementia, Alzheimer's. Like I said, the list goes on, 400 different functions. Estrogen helps a woman to be insulin sensitive. It helps a woman be leptin sensitive. So when you, when you start going through this time and what's the biggest thing you always hear is weight gain. Women suddenly get this big belly on them, 10, 20 pounds of weight gain in right. like a year. This is because the estrogen and progesterone are dropping and so if women replaced those hormones, they could get rid of all of these symptoms. They could have um, a very healthy vagina and sex life, which is very important. Um, women's vagina will actually, because of the low estrogen, will atrophy and shut close. That's not that's, fun. That's not what you want. That's so when is, when is it the appropriate time to do these types of, of therapies? And how do you know when... Uh, a woman really needs, like she's not producing enough. And when you're just going to put stuff in there and add to a load that's already too high. So you always, you, as you're going through perimenopause, if you're getting symptoms and, and if you're still cycling, but you're getting symptoms, so you're getting the hot flashes and the mood disorder and the you know anxiety, depression, insomnia, then, you know, you can try the natural route first. If that doesn't work, then you can start replacing. And I always start women with some progesterone because that's usually what drops first. 
if that doesn't get rid of things, then the, you can do small amounts of estrogen. Once the period stops, which means you're going into menopause now. So menopause is classified as one year without a period. So mm-hmm. once you've, you're going into that stage of you're missing your periods and then it's longer and longer between them, then you can start and it's safest then to start your estrogen therapy. And you have a 10 year window where it's been shown in research in multiple studies that that is the safest time and the most beneficial time for women to be on estrogen replacement. And you always need progesterone in there because it counteracts the growth of estrogen. Okay. So so you're not just using one. No, you have to use both. Yeah. Okay. You got to use both. Even if you don't have a uterus, uh, doctors often tell women that even if they don't have a uterus, they just can use the estrogen. Well, progesterone is very breast protective and it's very, it, it actually helps with the myelin sheaths in the brain. And so oh, it helps no your kidding. brain function. It's mm-hmm. very anti-anxiety. So women can use it at nighttime and it can help them with sleep. It reacts on the GABA receptors of the brain. So it calms the body down. It's got so many amazing functions. It can help with sex drive. It can help with weight loss um, as well, estrogen can as well. So it's interesting because estrogen on a too high is going to cause weight gain, but too right. low, it's going to cause weight gain as well. Right. And we find that a lot of things have like a bell curve like that. And it, yeah. that makes sense. But when people hear about studies, like you said, with just about anything, they hear something is good or something is bad and they want all of it or none of it. And yes, that's yeah. not really how the body works. No. And so you, for each woman, it's very individual. There's some women that need to go on very high doses, which is called physiological rest restoration. And so they actually mimic what their cycle was doing when they're in their twenties and the levels of hormones that they had in their twenties. And so they do it in a rhythm and they mimic their natural cycle and they take it in very high doses. And those women, you know, so some women need to be on it like that. Other women, they can be on very small amounts and it gets rid of all of their symptoms. So it's really, you work with somebody that understands it, work with a doctor that's open-minded to it. Um, You know, don't fear the estrogen. It's so ridiculous because if estrogen was such a bad thing, I always say this, I'm like, well, then all of us in our twenties would have dropped dead of breast cancer. (laughs) <laughs> because we have raging amounts of estrogen. I did, I've not thought about that before. Right? It's very true. And so, and it's when our estrogen starts to deplete that we that we have a chance of breast cancer. Estrogen is a growth hormone. So if you've got cancer cells and you've you will put in all this estrogen, yes, it can speed up that process. It It magnifies Mm -hmm. it, right? So if you have, of course, if you've got estrogen cancer, uh, estrogen driven breast cancer in your family, then no, you probably don't want to, or you want to be very monitored by a doctor if you're going to take it. Um, But yeah, you just don't be afraid. And then the other thing, people, no problem being on birth control pill. Oh, I've been on birth control for 20 years, but don't put me on bioidentical estrogen. And it's like, do you know how, how much higher those doses are? You're taking them orally, your risk of stroke and, oh my gosh. And even risk of breast cancer goes up a little bit. So control. what is, are there birth control alternatives that uh, you feel are appropriate or that don't affect the hormones so much? And, and what's, are, are there cool, cool tricks? What are some cool tricks? Oh, there's no cool tricks. It's brutal. I don't know why they have, as if they haven't developed something for a man to take at this point, but mm. you really don't have, like I was a person that could never be on birth control because I had such bad reaction to it. So I, I ran the gamut of trying to find myself natural birth control. And the only one is 
copper IUD, Mm -hmm. which can create a heavier bleed for women. So that can in cramping so that some, some, for some women, it doesn't work. Uh, But that's probably the best choice as far as ease and, you know, side effects go. Um, And then there's things like the diaphragm that you could use and good old fashioned condoms. I've heard about those. Yeah. Yeah, Have you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't like those. But are there any other downsides of the copper IUD? I I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's speculation that it can raise your copper level. Okay. Yeah. But you don't, you don't want really high levels of copper. So you would have to, you know, monitor that, but I went on it. I didn't, I didn't have any adverse side effects from it. That's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon, but I wanted to talk a little bit about thyroid before we did yeah. that. Uh, is, is there a, do you have a favorite thyroid angle to, to talk yeah. about? Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's hit it up one time. It is once again, something that is oftentimes misdiagnosed, not diagnosed and mistreated in the medical world. They get they're they're very afraid to use um, uh, T3 hormone thyroid hormone, which is the usable form of thyroid in your body. So there's T4, free T4 and free T3 are the two main thyroid hormones. T4 has to convert into T3 in order for it to be utilized for your metabolism to work properly. 90% of doctors out there only use T4 only um, prescription medication for it. And so, so many women are, are on Synthroid, um, some sort of, some form of T4 only medication. And it's, and they stay, and they stay in this very hypo state, very under medicated and never get better. And so I always want women to explore, at least try getting on some desiccated thyroid. So there's T4 and T3 in the mix um, always make sure that you you test your reverse T3, which very rarely gets done with the doctor. And we, I won't get into that because that's a whole nother segment. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I get but that. But you want to, ideally, you want your body temperature. And I'm really big. We talk about testing when we talked together earlier this week about the little little hacks that you have to try and figure out someone's you know, bio-individuality. My big one is temperature, body temperature, basal body Mm -hmm. temperature. And so I always tell women, if you suspect a thyroid problem and nobody's diagnosing you properly, and they're only testing, for instance, your TSH, take your basal body temperature when you get up in the morning, before you get out of bed, and then again in the afternoon. And if you're not reaching, and if you're on thyroid medication, definitely do this because if you're not reaching like 98.2, 98.6 in the middle of the afternoon and you're reaching like 96.5, 97, then we know that more than likely you are not optimized on thyroid medication. And if you're somebody that's suspecting hypothyroidism, then that really shows that you could very easily be hypo. There's other reasons why you might have a low temperature, but and are there rules to how you check that temperature? What? Are, how do you like people to do that when they, before so, they get out of bed? Yeah, do you before do they get out of the bed, arm thing or in the I say in the it? mouth. If you're going to okay. do it out of the arm, you have to add oh, what is it? A couple degrees to it. But you want to use a Gara thermometer. For those watching the video, I'm going to show what that looks like. It looks like an old mercury thermometer. You can get it on Amazon. They're ten. And it's bucks. called what? A Gara thermometer. G E R A therm thermometer. Gara therm thermometer and you have to shake it down, but this is most accurate. Digital is not accurate. I've tried a million of them. They never mm-hmm. work. They always give you something different. Mm-hmm. So you want 
to, you want, that's how you know you're optimized on thyroid medication. Cause you could have the best looking labs in the whole world. But if that thyroid medication isn't actually getting into the cell and working, then you're, you're going to remain in a hypothyroid state. I had like at the top of the chart, T3, mid, midway T4, and I was severely hypothyroid because my reverse T3 was off the charts, right. which is a storage hormone. So I wasn't getting that T3. That was just picking up on the medication I was taking. So, but I can't stress it enough that if you suspect a thyroid problem or you're on thyroid medication and you don't feel well, and you still feel hypo, take your temperature and let that be your gauge. If it jumps around, this is a good thing to know. Like, let's say, you know, you, you get up in the morning, it's 96.5 and then it goes up to 97.5 and then it drops down to 96. If it's jumping around more than a few degrees, then you know that there's also an adrenal component to your oh. thyroid, which oftentimes... Almost all thyroid patients have adrenal issues. So you will see it 0.2 of a degree. If it's bouncing around more than 0.2 of a degree throughout the day, you could take a couple temps readings throughout the day. Then you know, okay, there's an adrenal problem. So you want to test that four point cortisol saliva test, do a thyroid panel, include your, the reverse T3. And ideally, you want your T4 to sit in the middle. And if you're on both T4, T3 medication, and you want your T3 to be in the upper quarter quadrant of that range, if not, some women feel actually better over range on their T3. So, and you want your reverse T3 to be under 15, preferably under 12. And the range of reverse T3 actually says that you're fine up to 24, I think it is, or 22. That's not true. That range is garbage. I've anything, seen some ranges that are garbage. Yeah. Yep. Anything on over 15, you're, you're showing that it's a problem. Okay. And, um, are there, can we talk a little bit about, you know, diet choices that can affect specific thyroid issues, you know, mm -hmm. whether someone is hypo or, or something like that and diets that can affect that and why? Yeah. So if you've got Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. So it's an autoimmune condition. We know then there's a big inflammatory component and you always then want to start with an autoimmune paleo protocol. And even if you did it for four weeks, eight weeks, um, so that you're removing all those inflammatory foods, and then you put them in one at a time afterwards and to see which ones your body is reacting to, mm -hmm. that's super important because that's going to help you find what your you know, what your perfect diet is. Yeah, so you kind of have move. to, yeah. yeah, you got to strip it all down, get rid of all that stuff. Don't worry about carbs. Don't worry about calories. Just get rid of the inflammatory foods that will help the antibodies to come down as well. And then you put them in one at a time and really pay attention to how you're feeling. And then you can, cause most people can get away with eating some of them depending on how bad their gut is. But, you know, I've had some people they'll react to peppers, but they're okay with potatoes or they're okay with nuts and seeds, but they're not okay with tomato. So you mm. want to figure out which ones work for you, which ones don't. If you are, you know, subclinical hypothyroid, you don't want to do a low carb diet. You really, I please don't. It really aggravates your thyroid. Your thyroid, I've, I did a whole podcast episode on this because I was so tired of hearing so many keto carnivore doctors saying, oh, it's okay. You can do it. It's not going to affect the thyroid. It just means that your thyroid is, you just don't need as much T3. And I'm like, that is baloney. Like that's so not true. And so I actually dug in to the research and in the episode I talk about, I go through these PubMed 
test, you know, articles that state, Uh here's what's, here are the studies that have been done and here's what happened to people's T3. And it does lower the T3. It's a natural response. The body thinks that it's starving. And so what happens, like, we all know that, well, not, we might not know this, but one of the causes of hypothyroidism is called euthroid sick syndrome. And that is from a, a low calorie diet. So there's yeah. an actual terminology for it in the medical system, which is caused from too low calorie. And what happens when you eat keto for a lot of people, you end up very naturally calorie restricting. And then they go on to fast every day. And then they're going, oh, mad. Then they're going carnivore. And your poor little thyroid's going, what about the glucose? I need the glucose to run properly. And so do your adrenals. So, the, so does the adrenal system. So like I said, there's an adrenal component usually to hypothyroidism. So you want to repair those things. And so it's not to say you can never do keto or fast. I have tons of women in my group that are hypothyroid right, right. and I'm fasting them every couple well, of days. Yeah, we're doing carb, a- And then we do a carb up. So we're signaling to the system, but they're also optimized thanks to being in the program, they're optimized on their medication. Right. So you and need to fix the, you need to optimize it. You need to be on the right amount of medication. You need to figure out if there's a root problem to the hypothyroid. You need to clear that out, take the right supplements, and then you can utilize a carb cycling diet going in and out of keto to help you get rid of that weight. Yeah, And we see people that do well. And, you know, there's a, there's some type type of CO2 component to what goes on there. And, uh, you know, eating carbs creates the well, a byproduct of eating carbs is CO2. And that helps us, you know, a lot of the thyroid things function. And so there's some of those doctors will see somebody do fine. Well, they have really good CO2 levels. They may have a bigger buffer range there right. where others, where other people are going to, uh, really just put themselves in the dirt basically. And, and I think that that kind of goes back to that. Ah, we really got to start looking at the person instead of, you know, the rules. Yes. Kind of a situation. Yes. Yes. Pay attention to your body and where it's at. And then that, like I said, that can change. You may start at autoimmune and then six months down the road, you could be doing something completely different because that's what your body can handle and tolerate at that time. Right. Well, Karen, what are we doing tomorrow? Am I meeting you at the Taco Bell or something? I'm <laughs> yeah. just hanging out with you all week. I, Let's I'll, do it. <laughs> okay. That's going to be a good time. Um, but Karen, this has been really, really fun and, uh, and eye-opening with a lot of stuff. Where, where can people find you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. So of course the podcast, the other side of weight loss, we've got 150 plus episodes and there's this really cool guy coming on soon. So you probably want to tune in. Yeah. Um, (laughs) His middle name's Christopher. And (laughs) (laughs) also if you head over to karenmartel.com, I've got a great hormone quiz um, that will help you to kind of just start you, start you out to figure out starting to, to, so you can help figure out which hormones could be out of balance in your body and contributing to your weight loss resistance. So it's this very comprehensive quiz. I give you a two week hormone and metabolic meal plan that goes with it. Um, a little ebook that explain, you know, some things that you can get started on as far mm-hmm. as, okay, if you have this imbalance, if you look like you've got too high testosterone, then we're going to put you over here to the keto category or, you know, and I tell, tell you which diet is best for you at this time, depending on what your results were of that quiz. So it's oh, a really great. great place to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes and I'll put a link uh, to the quiz too. And you can find the, those show note links at kickitnaturally.com forward slash episode 370.
Karen, you're you're like a hometown hero. Thanks. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing stuff and uh, and uh, you know some. I really like the girl wisdom. I, you know, I, I kind of fall short on some girl wisdom things, even though my first book was about menstrual cramps. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I, I really like uh, having you on here to kind of dig into some of this hormonal stuff. It's awesome. been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. So that was pretty awesome, right? I hope that was helpful. Now, if you want to take Karen's quiz or check out her website and stuff, um, just go to uh, the show notes page and we'll have all those links on there. Just go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash episode 370. And don't forget to check out her podcast, The Other Side of Weight Loss. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next week. Oh,